More than 18 months ago, the Defense Department embarked on what it called a new pathway for acquiring software, one of its most crucial commodities. But too few of DOD's program managers are using Agile methodologies in continuous delivery. For what auditors found and how DOD can get it all on track, we turn to the Director of Contracting and National Security Acquisitions at the Government Accountability Office, Shelby Oakley. Ms. Oakley, good to have you back. Thanks for having me, Tom. And tell us about what you found, this idea of the pathway to new software acquisition techniques. I guess it's one of several acquisition pathways DOD established back then. We found that DOD has taken a lot of steps to modernize its software development approaches in response to you know all these emerging threats that are occurring and software being one way in which the Department of Defense can respond. And so they've done things like the development of that software acquisition pathway and through the establishment of things like policies and guidance to help implement that pathway. But what we've seen really is is that they report using more modern software practices, but in practice, we're not really seeing that as much. And we're talking about software acquisition, not just for business systems, but also for embedded and weapon systems also, correct? Correct. Yeah. Our recent report that we issued focused on both weapon systems and business IT systems. It was information that we had originally reported in two separate reports in June, and we summarized those findings in this report. And they're very similar. The findings from both reports are very similar in terms of practice versus what programs are saying they're doing. Give us an example of a program that says it's doing this, but is not really. And how did you discover that? Sure. So we survey these programs. They report what they're doing to us. And so the Army's Integrated Air and Missile Defense Program, IAMD, they report that they're using agile processes, but they're reporting software delivery times between 10 and 12 months. And really, that isn't in line with what industry standards are for frequent deliveries of software that are the underpinning of an agile development process. You know, it's recommended every couple of weeks even that software is delivered. So that kind of time frame of 10 to 12 months is much more significant than what would be recommended by industry. Conversely, the Army's integrated visual augmentation system, they're reporting using an agile software development program, and they are, in fact, delivering software at times of less than three months, sometimes even at three-week increments. And so it's kind of those metrics that we're taking a look at is, what are you saying you're doing? doing as a program versus what are you actually doing in practice. In some ways, it sounds as if that delivery schedule or the frequency of capability modules of software backs up not just to the software acquisition itself, but in the way that you run your program. Because if you have a big overarching goal for, say, an integrated system of communications and battlefield management, whatever the case might be, then you have Mm -hmm. to design your program delivery to match the fact that you can get every few weeks or a couple of months delivery of software as opposed to waiting a year till something gets done, which you think and hope will be comprehensive and do what you hope it will do. Absolutely. I mean, structuring your program around that type of approach really allows for customers to be engaged early on in the program and on a continual basis. 
And it really provides this kind of risk reduction in terms of being able to assess regularly whether we are, you know, funding a program that's going to be useful or if we're on the path to failure and looking at outdated technology. So really kind of structuring that program all with this kind of incremental agile approach in mind is exactly what was intended with the software acquisition pathway within the Department of Defense. We're speaking with Shelby Oakley, Director of Contracting and National Security Acquisitions at the GAO. And what were your recommendations for those programs that say we're using Agile but aren't actually using Agile? I mean, you can say, well, go ahead and use Agile, but that's not probably what you recommended directly. Yeah, so we didn't make any new recommendations in this current report because it was just a summary of prior reports. And in addition, it's the first in a body of work that we plan to do on how major weapon and IT programs are implementing these modern software development practices. But in our report on the major IT systems this summer, that team did make a recommendation related to the fact that DOD didn't have data or tools necessary to oversee the programs that are using these software pathways. And we recommended that DOD take some steps to automate data collection to be able to understand how these pathways are being used. And the Department of Defense concurred. And so I would imagine that we will have more recommendations going forward as we continue our look at how DOD is continuing to modernize its software development practices. And are there other metrics, other pieces of data that they can collect centrally that indicate the use of Agile techniques and the pathway in addition to delivery schedules? Yeah, absolutely. You know, a lot of these modern tools and practices are based upon direction from Congress and the National Defense Authorization Act and also from the Defense Science Board and the Defense Innovation Board, who have done a lot of work looking at kind of modern approaches. And some of the things that they recommend are things like development of a software factory, which brings together kind of software tools to be able to help users and management work together, or delivery of a minimum viable product, right? Are you just kind of pushing pushing out the things that are the minimum of what you need and continuing to iterate. Yeah, this focus on iterative development. All these things really kind of come together to provide for this modern approach to software development. And those are the kinds of things that DOD is continuing to implement and continuing to focus on in its policies and guidance and hopefully eventually in its practices going forward. Because there's a big human capital or people skills component Mm -hmm. to switching because you might have a whole crew that knows how to do the old-fashioned method of buying software, but you can't necessarily change people on a dime. You either need different people or you need some training. Yeah, you know, we have reported that without providing training on these new methods, programs are really at risk of falling back into old ways of doing development. And unfortunately, (laughs) we aren't seeing programs providing that training. You know, we only saw that less than one-sixth of major defense acquisition programs and one-third of those middle-tier acquisition programs reported providing training to, you know, their program staff on these modern software development practices. And so training is a real focus. In addition, a lot of these programs reported to us that they were experiencing challenges bringing on the right kinds of people, getting contractor and government staff with the right expertise in place to be able to execute these modern development approaches. And so 
you know, this work is going to take a long time and it's going to take a huge cultural shift within the Department of Defense to be successful. And DOD is really at the beginning of this effort. And so we'll see over the next several years how it makes progress toward these goals. And would you say that the important thing is that they have continuity in the policy here so that they can have the time it takes to catch up with the policy in the practice among the different groups? Yeah, it's going to take sustained leadership and attention. And so the policy, you know, just came out and programs are beginning to use it and understand how to use it. And I think that that's certainly something that DOD leadership is going to have to focus on is how to kind of continue to provide necessary tools and guidance for programs to be able to implement this policy, but to stay the course on providing this as a pathway for these programs to be able to achieve what they need to with regard to software. And software is only one of, I think, half a dozen pathways for acquisition of other commodities. Safe to say that GAO is looking at those other pathways and practices also? Absolutely. You know it. We continue to look at the major capability pathway in addition to the middle tier of acquisition pathway that we assess through our annual weapons assessment. And then our folks in our information technology team take a look at the business system and the software pathway additionally through their work. And so we have a lot of ongoing work that's taken a look at how DOD is implementing and executing under these new pathways and this new acquisition approach. Shelby Oakley is Director of Contracting and National Security Acquisitions at the Government Accountability Office. Thanks so much. Thank you. We'll post this interview along with a link to her report at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on demand. Subscribe at Podcast One or wherever you get your shows. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the president and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual actual uh, afloat commands. Uh, the first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, And then after I retired, after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm I'm currently retired and enjoying life. And um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style? And how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite con- consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it 
so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, it's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin. And what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I, we'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it. Um, From Sea to the C-Suite, fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but... Uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day and I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career, but really it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention and it was, it was, you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Uh, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federals organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions. Uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And, and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy, and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy, and... Um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes, when I was at Navy Federal, I would tell sea stories uh, as parables to get my point across. 
And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they going to say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment. And it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan, who was the perfect, perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, And I might add that um, any proceeds from the book, Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons in in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And and, uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. Um, During my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gain the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, w- WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally agree. And, and I can tell you from the U.S. Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler. And to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast, we'll see you next time. Helping your employees learn new cloud skills helps your business become more agile, more resilient, and more secure. Not helping employees learn new cloud skills causes your business to become less agile, less resilient, less secure, less innovative, less profitable, and, well, ultimately less of a business. Don't become less of a business. Try Pluralsight and get your employees everything they need to learn new cloud skills. Learn more at Pluralsight.com vision. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit LiveXLive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.